you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4 today, so I'll give you a moment to find that in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 4, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word? Alright, we're going to read verses 1 through 27. Proverbs chapter 4, hear the word of the Lord. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline, and pay attention so that you may gain understanding, for I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, He taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of favor on your head. She will give you a crown of beauty. Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. Keep off the path of the wicked. Don't proceed on the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass it by. For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord. You are my rock, my redeemer. These things I ask in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to preface my message today by drawing your attention to a message that I heard a few weeks ago uh, delivered by Brother James Robinson. Uh, now, we were out of town that week, but Brother James preached a message on wisdom and crushed the brother, did a great job. So, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that on the BBC podcast, or if you're listening on the podcast now, I give you permission to pause here, go back and listen to his message first, because I hope that his message will kind of serve as part A, and my message will serve as kind of part B. Uh, but it's, it's a great message, and I, I thank you for that, brother. I was, I was really encouraged by that. I love the uh, speed slope story, by the way. Uh, and so if you were here, go back and listen to it again, because it's excellent. All right. 
So in 1988, a Dallas area high school football team, they went on an impressive run. They went all the way uh, throughout the state playoffs and to the state championship game. Now, this was a highly talented football team. Where they had at least uh, one All-American who signed his national letter of intent from a hot tub. Okay? So they were good and they knew it. Um, 21 players on the team received football scholarships. 21, that is incredible to think about. The team's head coach was later inducted into the Texas High School Football uh, Hall of Fame. This team oozed talent. Seven players on this team went on to play in the NFL. That is, that is an incredible uh, metric right there. But along the way through this process, the players faced a lot of controversy. There was a grading controversy involving the team's leading scorer, whether or not he was eligible based on whether he had passed a, a math class. And so this, this created a lot of turmoil for the team. And now there was some feelings that, that this was caused by uh, the team being predominantly African-American. And they thought that there was some institutional racism that was um, affecting them. Now, during uh, this run, the team didn't know a lot of the times if the game they were about to play, if they were going to be eligible or ineligible. They didn't know before they stepped on the field, is it going to be their team that steps on the field or another team because they're ruled ineligible. I mean, talk about the mental uh, focus this team had to have to go out and play uh, during this process. And they did. They, they, they were ruled ineligible. There was court you know, legal proceedings that were saying, okay, you guys are ruled eligible, get on the field. I mean, this is this is some, some crazy stuff for high schoolers to deal with. So despite the obstacles, Carter High School won the state championship, and they became the first Dallas area high school to win the state championship in Texas in 38 years. Now, the players were talented, they were focused, and they seemed destined for greatness. One All-American uh, was actually committed to the storied and greatest football program uh, college football and University of Tennessee, okay? But, uh, all right, all right. You, you can scrutinize the last statement a little bit, okay? Uh, but anyways, just days before winning the state championship, or just days after winning the state championship, they got to play the game, they won the state championship, but within days, everything changed for this team. Three Carter High School football players robbed a jack-in-the-box, and it was the first a string of 21 robberies carried out over about a six-month period involving six players from Carter High School. Then one robbery, the teenagers stole over $11,000 from a Mexican restaurant. One of the defense attorneys involved said the robberies in court case set the whole city on fire. The court case came before District Judge Joe Kendall, and in his sentencing decisions, which ranged anywhere from two to 25 years for these players, 25 years. He wrote, while you never shot or killed anyone, the defendants before this court cumulatively committed in six months' time more armed robberies than Bonnie and Clyde did in their lifetime. At the courthouse, it simply doesn't matter that you can run the football. Actions have consequences. Now here's what one of the star players on the team says, star defensive back Derek Evans. He was one of the players who was arrested and did prison time. He said, it's not the fact that we didn't have the guidance that we needed not to make mistakes. It's the fact that I was an All-American and I didn't have to listen. Coach James gave me all the tools I needed to succeed. 
I chose to make bad decisions, even though I was being coached to make the right decisions. Greg Ellis, who played uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, he was involved uh, in producing a movie called Carter Hyde about this, this story. And he said after producing this film, he said he hoped viewers realize the importance of making good decisions. He said the success and failures in life are a lot of times in our control. It's your choice. What we see from this incident with Carter High School, we see from Proverbs chapter 4, that the Bible teaches that wisdom, which is the supreme thing, it involves the choice. And it entails making good decisions. Alright? And so, as we look at this passage, I see three steps in getting the supreme thing. Getting wisdom. Three steps we need to take. But first of all, let's go ahead and revisit the definition of wisdom, okay? I like... American founding father Noah Webster's definition of wisdom. He says, it's the right use for exercise of knowledge, the choice of laudable, praiseworthy ends, and of the best means to accomplish them. Okay, so the right use or exercise of knowledge, the choice that leads to good ends, praiseworthy ends, laudable ends, and the best means to accomplish them, the best way to get to that end that you're trying to reach. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7 that wisdom is the supreme thing. It's the greatest, ultimate, highest quality or state you can achieve. Better than anything you can possess. Anything else. And so, how do we get there? How do we get the supreme thing? Okay? And Proverbs tells us. God tells us. This is how you, this is how you achieve wisdom. First, you got to have humility. You've got to get humility and get understanding and instruction and then hold on to it. You see this in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, 10, 11, 13, and 20. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words. Skipping down to verse 10 11. Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. Verse 13. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. In verse 20. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely. To my sayings. To get wisdom, you have to have humility. You have to understand there's something to get. All right, you don't have it all. Okay, and that's part of the problem that Derek Evans, the All-American, had. He thought he had it all. He was an All-American, but he needed wisdom. We all need wisdom. It takes humility to realize that. Listen. That's how. That's how God opens up Proverbs four. How Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen. You've got to listen. There's something you need to know. There's something you need to learn. You get understanding when you first listen. Humility. Understanding. You've got to get instruction. Now God puts people in your life who offer wisdom. Maybe your parents. Maybe grandparents. Pastors. Maybe Bible study teachers, Awana teachers, husbands, wives, older brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
God puts people with wisdom in your life, but ultimately, God gives you His Word. He gives you the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Ultimate source of wisdom because it comes from the mouth of God. It comes from a God who is wisdom personified. It is God-breathed. Now, humility, when I think of humility, I think of you got to be in receive mode to have humility, okay? When I was deployed to Poland, we, uh, in January, we had our replacements uh, come visit us, okay? So we were 2nd Squadron, 278 Armored Cavalry Regiment. We have guys, soldiers from 3rd Squadron, officers, senior NCOs coming over, about 20 of them, to kind of learn about our mission, figure out, you know, what they needed to do to set the stage for their mission to have a smooth transition into uh, executing mission and do it well. So these guys get over here and, you know, we're, we're meeting them and I really like my counterpart. He's a sharp guy. He's a lawyer back in his civilian job, which I, I still like him. So that was, that was a plus for him. Uh, but a smart guy uh, and, and enjoy getting to meet these guys. But their commander, we had this three or four hour long meeting, all right? And we're hashing out things, you know, this is how the polls operate, this is how they do things, this is how we do things to kind of make it work with how the way the polls do things. So we're going through all this, and, and their commander, he pipes up, you know, and he says, well, we're not going to do things that way, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. And he's telling his guys, you know, yeah, I know you guys did that, but we're not going to do that. And he's, he's piping up a lot and saying these kind of things. And I'm thinking, this is not a good sign, all right? This guy has a lot to say, but he doesn't seem to be doing uh, good listening. And during this three-hour, you know, this three-hour brief, everybody's getting up and kind of saying their, their piece. Um, one of my buddies who's, who's the aviation guy, uh, so Cole back there, yeah, Cole can relate, uh, he, he texts me during this meeting, he says, I don't think they're in receive mode. <laughs> and it's basically because they're not, they're, they're really kind of struggling a lot of things with what we're saying, they're just kind of like throwing it to the wayside. And we're thinking, okay, let's see how this works out for these guys, you know, when they get here. And part of it, I mean, they were jet lagged, they were tired, and, and that sort of thing. But their commander was really, I mean, he was kind of annoying us, you know, just to be honest. And, and got into a little bit of an argument match with one of our soldiers. And so we're listening to this, and I'm thinking, this is not wise, the way he's approaching this. But the longer he was there, he, he kind of, you know, began to listen more. And I think it dawned on him, well, there's things I don't know. There's things I need to learn. And I actually ended up spending a day with him. And um, I, I, I could see that through the process, he was starting to, to grow and, and gain some wisdom, gain some understanding of the situation. And I think a lot of it was because he finally started listening. Um, so that's what Solomon is saying. That's what the Bible says is you've got to listen. You've got to pay attention. And if you read Proverbs 4, God says that five times in this passage. Listen, pay attention, five times. So he's emphasizing you've got to listen, you've got to pay attention, you've got to be humble. All right. The other thing that goes along with that is you've got to pursue wisdom. All right. It doesn't just come to you naturally. All right. It's a conscious decision. You've got to be proactive. All right. Look at verse five. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Look at verse seven. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. Cherish wisdom, we see in verse 8. Embrace it. The pursuit of wisdom means you've got to chase humility in your life, and you've got to chase understanding. You've got to seek to understand before being understood. You guys ever heard that before? 
Seek to understand before being understood. There's some wisdom in that saying, right? And then once you get wisdom, you've got to hold on to it. Alright? For those of you that were in the Bible study this morning, you see what happens when you don't hold on to wisdom. Solomon, who had so much wisdom that God gave him, but he didn't hold on to it. He, he rejected it. And it led to tragedy. Not only in his life, but in the life of his son and the life of his people, the nation of Israel. So you've got to hold on to it. Retain the instruction and knowledge that God gives you. And you must apply knowledge properly. And that leads to wisdom. But it also involves obedience. You've got to, when you get that knowledge, when you get that understanding, when you get that instruction, you've got to be obedient. You've got to put it into practice. And when you do that, you gain momentum. It's like driving down the interstate. All right? When you accelerate, you're going to go faster and faster down the interstate. When you get on the path of wisdom, as you're obedient, as you continue to do things that are obedient to God's word, God's going to give you more and more momentum. You're going to, get, you're going to grow in wisdom. And you're going to gain momentum as you pursue the supreme things, pursue wisdom. All right, secondly, we see that we need to bypass the way of the wicked or wicked avenue. So wisdom is a path that leads to a good life. And when I mean a good life, I mean a life that is full of joy, contentment, and fulfillment. But since it involves choice, and you and I have a sinful nature, there are pitfalls we must avoid. We can choose to reject wisdom, even though we've been on the path like Solomon did. And ultimately, we all start, as we read from Titus, as Brother Ken let us, we all start on the path of the wicked. We all start out as enemies of God. And so we all have to escape that path and get on the path of wisdom. So you have to exit the path of the wicked. You have to exit Wicked Avenue and take Wisdom Street. So you've got to do a U-turn. And you've got to get on the road that leads to, to wisdom, to, to kingdom greatness. And wisdom is great because God honors you when you choose wisdom. We see in verse 10 that one of the benefits is so often God gives longer life to people who choose wisdom. So we bypass Wicked Avenue. We guard and retain instruction. That's one of the ways we do it. We remember what we've been taught. And we see the contrast in, uh, in, in verses 10 through 19. Look at verse 12. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Wisdom Street is just, it's easier to navigate life. God helps you avoid the pitfalls. But look at the contrast between Wicked Avenue, verse 16, and Wisdom Street, verse 17. Verse 16, the Bible says, For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So people that choose to reject wisdom, choose Wicked Avenue... They become obsessed with doing evil. I mean, they, it becomes part of their routine. It becomes their obsession. It's like a, an addictive drug. They feed off of it. And they don't realize they're, they're poisoning themselves day in and day out with, with evil. 
mean, we see that A.J. Levison in Bible study, the group upstairs, and he talked about how Solomon was building all these different altars to these false gods once he had rejected wisdom. And he, I think he became obsessed with it. He became so obsessed with it, he's taxing the people incredibly ridiculous high amounts that to pay for all this, you know, and, and it's, it's foolish decisions that lead to suffering and evil. But that's what, the, what happens when you get on Wicked Street, when you are on the path of the wicked, you become more focused on doing evil. What you've got to realize is that the, that path leads to darkness, to, to, to more confusion about what life is about, misunderstanding, bewilderment, darkness. We see that um, in verse 19. The way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. They don't see clearly. They, they can't make good decisions. They, they don't have that ability to, to really see things clearly. But... God says, if you're on the path of wisdom, then the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn shining brighter and brighter until midday. Everybody knows that around lunchtime, around noon, it is bright outside in summer days, right? Well, that's how clear decisions become for those that are on the path of wisdom. That's how God brings things into focus for those who are obedient to Him and following Him. There's a huge contrast between those two paths. Light or darkness. Choose. Keith Campbell, one of the Carter High School football players, he chose the path of darkness as a teenager. And he said that he realized one mistake or an ill-will decision not only affects that particular person, but it affects those that are around him as well. You see, darkness deceives us. Satan wants us to think our choices don't affect those around us. That's completely untrue. We know our decisions affect people around us in powerful ways. Think about Solomon and how it impacted Rehoboam. And how Solomon's rejection of wisdom divided the nation of Israel. The path you choose impacts those around you. Dad, mom, daughter, sister, brother teacher, co-worker, our actions do not occur in a vacuum. Andy Andrews says, first we make choices, then our choices make us. So our choices carry momentum toward wisdom or away from wisdom. So you've got to be aware of this truth. You've got to be aware that the, the choices we make, they're going to have an impact on your family. All right. Third, Getting the supreme thing, you've got to fix your eyes. You see this in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. The final step in getting the supreme thing is you must fix your eyes. You've got to focus on the instruction that you've received. You've got to retain it and guard it. God's word, the wise instruction of those godly people he puts in your life, You've got to retain that. You've got to, to cherish it, guard your heart. You've got to protect it. As God changes your heart, you've got to look to protect your heart, to strengthen your heart. 
My brother Weston loves to quote Aristotle's famous quote where he says, quality is not an act, it is a habit. And I would say that wisdom is a habit. You must build wisdom into your routines, your individual routines, your family routines. You've got to be focused on the pursuit of wisdom. All right, so what kind of movies are you watching? What kind of music are you listening to? What about those that God has entrusted to you? What about your children? What are they watching? What are they listening to? How are they spending their time? You've got to take steps to guard your heart. You've got to take steps to build wisdom into your daily routines. How many of you lock your doors at night? All right, that's good. How many people have alarm systems? All right, that's good. All right, uh, anybody got one of those doorbell cameras? Uh, Patrick Bell helped us install one of those recently. I love those things. I can, I can spy on the, the garage sales at the zoo with the kids yesterday. I can see stuff disappearing from the lawn. It's great. Um, but we, we set up these things. We, we, we see, you know, we, we put measures in place to protect our homes, right? Physically, protect the things that we, our loved ones, the things that we want to protect. But what are we doing to spiritually guard our homes? What are we doing to guard our hearts? What are we doing to guard the hearts of those that God has entrusted to us? Grandchildren, nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, husbands, wives. We've got to guard our searches on the internet. We've got to guard things that we listen to, the things that we, that we spend time thinking about. That is how we guard our hearts. We take... We take defensive steps to guard our heart, but we also need to take steps to strengthen our hearts, right? And there's, there's some great ways to do this. I was thinking about Seeds Family Worship, okay? That's, that's a great thing. You can listen to it on Amazon Music. It, 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 it helps you learn scripture verses. helps you and your family learn um, by singing, singing a lot of scripture. Seeds Family Worship. I was thinking about um, Adventures in Odyssey. Anybody ever listen to Adventures in Odyssey? All right, those are great. Great to teach biblical truths uh, for your family, for your kids. Um, World Magazine, Clubhouse Magazine, The World and Everything in a Podcast, from a Christian perspective, bringing, bringing the news. Those are great things because they remind us to think about things, to think about the news in light of the gospel, in light of God's word. How about the Black Baptist Podcast? Great, great to listen to, great to remind us and... and uh, to, you know, repetition is the motor of learning, right? So it's good to go back and listen to what, what we learn to help us really, you know, uh, take hold of it and firm up and strengthen our hearts. And we read books by people like John Piper and Tim Keller and Beth Moore, and those are, those are great ways to, to strengthen our hearts. Um, we've got to guard our hearts. This is how we fix our eyes. This is how we stay focused on getting the supreme thing, on getting wisdom. And we also pursue the truth. We see this in this uh, section of Proverbs chapter 4. We don't lie, we don't deceive, we honor the truth. And ways that we honor the truth is by participating in accountability groups, participating in community groups. We live life together, we don't put on fronts, we are honest with one another in our struggles, we do daily devotions helps us spend time in God's truth. We listen to truth on the radio, Caleb, Way FM, The Fish. 
and we focus on the truth, and it helps us focus our eyes on what's important. When I played uh, baseball in high school, um, I had to learn the, the difference between a curveball and a fastball. And that could be a little tricky for baseball players because a lot of times they look pretty similar in, in, in the pitches. You've got to decide, do I swing early, do I swing late? You know, what kind of pitch am I trying to hit here? So my coach taught me that the way you can tell the difference between a curveball and a fastball is on the release point because pitchers are trying to deceive hitters, right? They don't want them to know if it's a fastball or a curveball. They want to keep that hitter off balance. All right, but the truth, the way you determine the truth is you look at that release point. If it's an earlier release point, then you know that pitcher's throwing a breaking ball or a curveball. And so I would keep my eyes focused on where that release point is when that pitcher was, was throwing the pitch to me. And then I would kind of decide, okay, he's throwing a curveball, I need to wait for it or maybe you know, adjust my, my bat speed for that pitch. And I think what God is saying here in Proverbs 4 is to fix our eyes, we have to focus on the truth. We have to realize that there's deception, there's evil in the world, but you've got to fix your eyes on the truth of God's Word and on the path of wisdom. And notice that you have to fix your eyes before your feet follow Right. Look at verse 25. The Bible says, let, us, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet. You've got to fix your eyes, fix your focus first, and then your feet will follow. Because if you try to do that backwards, you're going to stumble. Anybody ever try to run in the dark before? I've done it, I've stumbled. It's, it's, it doesn't always end well. Um, you've got to know where you're going. You've got to start with the truth. got to give it careful consideration. But ultimately, we look forward, we fix our gaze on a straight path. That's what the Bible tells us to do in, in verse 26. Carefully consider the path. The straight path, it leads to Jesus, right? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is the path. He is the way of wisdom. Jesus said, he is the way to God. The straight path runs through Jesus. We also see Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12. I think it maybe coming up on your screen, maybe not. Um, maybe Jim, there it is. Okay. The Bible says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So fixing our eyes on fixing our eyes in this passage means fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because he's already come before us. He's already run this race. He's chosen the path of wisdom. He chose it every single time. Solomon initially chose the path of wisdom, but later in life he rejected it. Jesus chose it the entire time. And notice what the author of Hebrews says. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin. Let us run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus. So we're in, we're in this race together. Right? We're in life together. And as Christians, we don't run alone. We don't struggle alone. We don't face obstacles alone. We don't face sin alone. 
we endure together. And when we reject sin, we run on the path of righteousness. We look to Jesus together. We follow him because he's already trailblazed the path for us, the path of righteousness. We follow his footsteps. He is the guide on the path of wisdom. In Proverbs 4, Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying, listen, I'm going to guide you on the path of wisdom. And that's what Scripture does. It guides us to wisdom. And we also see it through the example of Jesus. And He sent His Holy Spirit to encourage us, to walk with us, to strengthen us in that path, and choosing that path of wisdom. Now, we know there's going to be suffering and pain because we live in a broken world. Sin ensnares us. We wrestle with sin. We fight with sin. But when we get back on that path of wisdom, when we choose the path of wisdom, ultimately God will exalt us. God honors us. Maybe not here on this earth, but in heaven where it really matters. In His kingdom, He will honor us. Jesse Armistead was one of the football players on Carter High School during the 1988 season. He went on to win a national championship at the University of Miami. I know they didn't do too hot last night. But they were, at one point, a really good team. He also went on to become a pro linebacker for the New York Giants. Uh, he said someone come up, came up to him once when he was playing in the NFL and said, Hey, them guys you played with at Carter, they were some criminals, weren't they? And Armistead responded, he said, They were identical to me. There was no difference between me and them. I just made the right decision at the right time. If I would have gotten in the car that one time, then I would have gotten 20 years in a maximum security prison. See, Jesse made a decision to fix his eyes and to and his feet follow. And what Jesse did was he went and spent time with his high school football coach who was working late that night and spent time getting more wisdom while his teammates went on the path of the wicked and the destruction. Patrick P.K. Williams, one of the Carter High School players who did prison time for the armed robbery, said, Mama raised me and my brothers in church, and one of the things I knew is that I had to give my life to Christ. Williams remembered the instruction of his youth. He rejected the path of the wicked that he was on, and he pursued the path of wisdom. Thank God he extends mercy and grace through Jesus and allows us to exit Wicked Avenue, take Wisdom Street. Jesus offers forgiveness, hope, and life. The Bible says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. All right. To recap my, my message, three steps to getting wisdom, supreme thing. Get humility, understanding, and instruction, then hold on to it. Can't skip that last step, because you can, we all fall, we're all sinners, we can live in a broken, broken world, you've got to hold on to it. Secondly, you bypass Wicked Avenue. You're going to have opportunities to reject wisdom, but you've got to bypass them. And lastly, you must fix your eyes on Jesus. The benefits of getting wisdom, you get protection from, from stumbling, from falling, from damaging your life and those uh, that you love around you. And you get the great shepherd 
That's what you get when you get wisdom. Because when you get wisdom, you get God. You get wisdom personified. You get the great shepherd that leads you beside still waters. Who restores your soul. I challenge you to read Proverbs chapter 4. And just substitute the word wisdom with Yahweh. Because Yahweh is the one who gives wisdom. God is the one who gives incomparable, perfect, transcendent, matchless. He is the one who, who is wisdom personified. The God who made you, loved you immeasurably, sent his one and only son Jesus to die for me and you. Take hold of wisdom by taking hold of 